0: And our sermon scripture for today comes from 2 Peter, uh, chapter 3, verses 8 through 15. Um, You can follow along up there on the screens or on your own Bible, or you can just listen to my soothing voice, Um, chapter 3, 8 through 15 from the New International Version. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. so then dear friends since you are looking forward to this make every effort to be found spotless blameless and at peace with him bear in mind that our lord's patience means salvation just as our dear brother paul also wrote you with the wisdom that god gave him this is the word of the lord i'm going to pray as allison comes up god thank you um, that we have uh such a voice and a gift and Pastor Allison um, to bring the word to us. And I pray uh, that you give her clarity of heart and mind and that you also prepare our hearts and soften our hearts to receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. Good morning, everyone. How is everyone this morning? Good. I was noticing that usually when I regather you all, you trickle in slowly. And Pastor Dave this morning gathers you in and it goes silent. So I don't know, maybe I have to work on the voice of authority or something, I'm not sure. But it's nice to switch roles with Pastor Dave this morning and um, be able to speak on this passage this morning. Uh, I definitely was excited to to preach during Advent. It's a beautiful time of year with the candles and the twinkling white lights. But I'm actually going to uh, start us off in a different direction, so buckle up for this ride. I wanna take us back to October and talk about scary movies. What? I know it's random, but, but trust me, it's gonna make sense. So here's the question, who likes scary movies? Okay, all right, I, I, that might have been about 50%, or maybe not quite, but that was a fair amount of people. In my home, my husband will watch scary movies with the teenagers, or at least they, some of them want to watch them, we haven't quite done too many yet, but they're, they want to, they're getting there. I am a, a hard no. I am I am no scary movies. I don't get why we would torture ourselves. I am just, give me the Hallmark Channel Christmas movies any day of the week. I do not want the scary movies, right? And I think that maybe that started back when I was, you know, like a young teen and I babysat a lot. I don't know how many of you remember the old, the old trope, the old urban legend about the call coming from inside the house? Yes, I see a lot of heads nodding, Uh huh. and because I don't watch scary movies, I'm not entirely sure if this, I think, maybe became a plot in scary movies at some point, but I think it maybe originated just as kind of an urban legend, and for, for the young ones, for, for my teenagers, the whole idea was we had landlines and home phones, And there was a babysitter who had put the kids to bed and had locked all the doors nice and safe, but she got a scary phone call and some scary voice was threatening them. And I don't exactly remember the details, but somehow after a few calls, the police traced the call. That was quick work if they did. And told her, you have to get out of the house. The call's coming from inside the house. And it was this big scary thing, right? Because she thought she had locked the doors and she had kept the danger outside and she was safe. But it was really scary that the thought was, is no place safe? Even inside when I've locked all the doors isn't safe. And I think that I might have been just the right age when I heard that and was a babysitter and maybe that just hit me in just the right spot. And maybe that's what laid the groundwork for me forever hating scary movies, but I'm I'm just not a fan. But the thing about that story is it popped to mind to me right away, because as I read today's passage, I realized this is the Bible's version of the call is coming from inside the house. (laughs) And I mean, I'll explain, okay, what we have here for context is Peter's writing to the early Christians in Asia, and he's saying, look out. There are people from within the church that are trying to lie to you and take you away from the knowledge of God. They, they are trying to tell you that he is not going to return, that he's a liar, that he's not coming back. And this is coming from inside the church. And in fact, this whole letter has such a firm tone that a lot of theologians actually think that it might not be Peter who wrote it because 1 Peter had a whole different voice, a whole different voice, a whole different tone. So we have very contrasting tones from 1 Peter and 2 Peter. And people have also compared how firm the message is in 2 Peter actually to the book of Jude. And I do have a slide for this one, but I know you won't be able to, I knew it'd be small, but just it's a nice visual there for you to know that if you are a, a researcher and a Bible nerd, you should get out your Bibles today when you go home and you should side by side compare Jude and Second Peter. It's crazy, it's crazy. It, the comparison is pretty clear. And some of you maybe aren't that familiar with Jude because it's itty bitty teeny. <laughs> but basically we have some major highlights being there are voices coming from inside the church that are denying Jesus. Immorality will receive judgment and we must remember Jesus's words. Those are kind of the major themes, but there are some specific ones that I'll read for you. Second Peter 2, 1 says, false prophets arose among the people denying the master Jude verse four says, certain persons have crept in unnoticed who deny our master. So we have these very parallel messages. And the idea being there are people inside the church that are spreading lies, that are false teachers, that are scoffers and mockers. Is everybody with me? So the tone is actually so so strong that Jude verse 12 says, these people, who have crept in unnoticed, are blemishes at your love feasts, eating with you without the slightest qualm. Shepherds who feed only themselves, they are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind. Autumn trees without fruit and uprooted twice dead. Whew, that's pretty serious, right? Maybe now you see the, the call is coming from inside the house, why while it, while it seems so serious, right? I mean, these are people that are concerned with their own desires, with their own security, their own safety, their, their own personal goals in life. And, and they have strayed so far from the knowledge of God that, that some are actually saying he's not even coming back. He's not even coming back. But as the passage we read this morning reminds us, God doesn't operate on our timeline. God does not exist within our concept of time, right? And that's why in the passage we read this morning, Peter makes it very clear that you can't say God is slow to return. God's on God's time. And in fact, instead of using the timeline to try to say that God's actually not coming back, there will be no jet, no day of judgment instead of using like that argument. In fact, God's time is evidence of his patience. It's evidence of his love for us. And the truth is he is coming back. So are we ready? Are we ready? And that's a pretty bold question. And I don't know, some of you might feel a little challenged or that might seem a little bit scary. For others, I think that's massively encouraging. Maybe it depends on the time of day that you ask us, right? Because sometimes that's terrifying. He's coming back, are we ready? And other times it is so liberating and encouraging. He is coming back. This is a God that keeps his promises and he will be returning. And Peter does give us sort of an ingredient list, so to speak, of how we can try to make sure that we're ready. Verse 11 says, since everything will be destroyed, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. So there's two directives, right? Holy and godly. He says in verse 14, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. So this is great, we have, we have our little keywords: holy and godly and spotless and blameless, but I don't know, sometimes those seem uh, hard to actually put into practice. What does that exactly mean? Those are kind of umbrella terms, kind of vague, beautiful words of how we're supposed to be living, but what does that actually look like in our day-to-day lives? The good news for us is uh, Peter doesn't just leave it there because Jesus didn't just leave it there, right? And Peter makes a point to say something earlier in this letter that wasn't in today's liturgy reading, but it was. it's such a beautiful picture of, I think, what Peter's trying to get at that I wanted to read it for you. Earlier in uh, 2 Peter 1.4, actually, he says that we are actually invited to participate in God's divine nature, And I know sometimes I talk a little fast and I know sometimes maybe I I just go straight through my little outline of what I wanted to preach about. But I wanna pause here for just a second because I think this is an incredibly powerful sentiment. We aren't just copying Jesus. Sometimes we think we want to copy Jesus. We want to live like Jesus. We're not just copying Jesus. We are participating. We are invited to at least participate in God's divine nature, to be part of it, to be part of that on this earth. That's really powerful. That's quite a gift that we've been given, this invitation, to be participants in his divine nature. Right? So what is this divine nature that we get to participate in? His divine nature is demonstrated throughout all of scripture, but one of those ways is in the timing of his return. These false teachers that are trying to say that this is proof he's not coming back, he must not be a God of his promises, we got it wrong, there's gonna be no day of judgment. Nope, no, in fact, his timing is uh, one of the glimpses of the divine nature that we are invited to participate in. Right? 2 Peter three, nine says he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He is patient with us. He is patient with us. And later in the chapter, it says his patience is salvation. So as I was reflecting on this passage, I was uh, thinking about this concept of patience, this picture of patience and what that looks like in our lives. I was brushing my teeth actually. I'm kind of lost in thought brushing my teeth. And I'm looking in the bathroom mirror and behind me in my bathroom is this blank wall above our toilet and it's just a big massive blank wall. And I giggled to myself because my husband has been building a cabinet for over the toilet for at least a year now. Okay, maybe it's maybe been a couple. I'm not sure. Okay, maybe only one. Okay, and for a little bit of for a little bit of reference point, there we live in a 1910 house, and the people that owned it before us had ripped out a bunch of the built-ins and had put the old um, door, the cabinet doors that had the leaded glass, out on the side of the road for the for trash, and our the neighbor rescued it said, oh, no, we can't throw this away. So when we moved in, the neighbor came knocking on our door and said, I have these leaded glass original cabinet doors that went in your house. Do you want them? And we were like, absolutely, we will take those. We will take those. So they have been down in our basement waiting for the perfect project. And my husband, Bob, had this great idea. We don't have a cabinet above our toilet. It would be great if we could use those original leaded glass doors, put them back in the house and have a cabinet up there. And I'm loving this idea. We we have the one bathroom on the main floor, so that's the bathroom Bob and I use. It's also the bathroom every single person who visits us uses. So I'm thinking it would be really nice to have a little more storage, right? Hide away my things, you know, make sure the deodorant can be tucked somewhere in a cabinet. This would be nice, right? So Bob says he's gonna build this cabinet and I think he's working on it. But it hasn't happened and I'm brushing my teeth thinking about patience and I'm chuckling to myself as I'm thinking, okay, Allison, be patient, be patient. But I gotta be honest with you, er, wrong. That is not the kind of patience that we are actually even talking about here. And don't get me wrong, we do need to exercise that level of patience in our lives, right? But that patience, the patience I have to have while I'm waiting for my husband to build the cabinet, is patience for me to get a reward. That's like waiting to open your gifts on Christmas morning. Okay, kids, be patient. You can open them on Christmas morning, right? And that patience is great, but I almost feel like that patience is more like a self-control. In the end, you're going to get a payoff. You're going to get a reward at the end of that patience, right? And yet what we see here, what we see God doing for us as he's patient with us is giving us time and space. It's a patience that is merciful. The kind of patience that God is inviting us to step into, the kind of patience that we should be having with those around us is a patience that isn't for our own gain, right? but a patience that is for others. It's a merciful patience. It's a patience that says, it's okay that you need some grace and some space. It's a patience that says, you're working things out. I understand that. I'm here. Right? That's the patience God shows us. We are messing up left and right, We are stumbling, sometimes we're doing our best and sometimes, let's be honest, we're not doing our best, okay, but God shows patience because he wants all of humankind to be able to come to repentance. So if we are stepping in to be participants in his divine nature, we too must be showing that patience to the people around us. A patience that is filled with mercy. A patience that is willing to say, you might need some space and I understand that. You're gonna need some grace and I understand that. God's patience is also indiscriminate. You might realize that that verse was very clear that God is patient because he wants all of humankind to have the opportunity to come to repentance. He does not have categories. He's not waiting until this tier of people sort things out. The, The desire there is for everyone. It is an indiscriminate patience. Now, I know pastors have some different opinions on whether or not they should ever preach politics, okay? one baby little step into the pool, okay? Now, I'm not gonna preach politics up here, I'm not, but I, but I will make it clear to you that I do have some strong political opinions. I have them, okay? And I have to remember that the people that are sitting on the other side of the aisle from me are still worthy of my patience if I am living in to be a participant of God's divine nature. They're still worthy of my patience, no matter what hat they might wear, okay? There, now you know my politics, okay? Still worthy of my patience though, right? It's not like I have everything figured out, and everyone is loved by God. Everyone, he desires for everyone to come to repentance. The people on my side of the political aisle, the people on the other side, the people that don't care, Right? It's indiscriminate. There might be a family member or a friend who has wronged you, someone that you have fallen out of relationship with. And I am not here to tell you that you should have no boundaries, that you should just always be a doormat to them. I am not here saying that, okay? Boundaries are healthy. Do it, have your boundaries, okay? Sometimes patience can look like relationship from a distance, but there's still patience there. There's still this sliver of hope. There is still an overarching feeling of God's love, or at least application of love. Sometimes we don't feel it, right? Because the other thing, and I do have all these listed if you wanna click through the slides so people can follow. The other thing is that God's patience is persistent and it doesn't expire. It does not, there is no deadline. I mean, let's be honest, the only deadline is when we leave this earth or the day of judgment comes. That's it. Those are the only deadlines when it comes to God's patience. You can come to repentance up until your very last breath. And he loves you so deeply that he hopes that you do. So if we're going to participate in that kind of divine nature, then isn't that the same kind of patience we should have for the people around us? The kind of patience that doesn't say, you know what, I gave you too many chances, I've locked the door and thrown away the key. But instead the kind of patience that says, maybe there does have to be distance. But, but my love for you says, my, my heart's desire is that this will reach a place of restoration, that restoration is possible. Pastor Dave preached last week and Guillermo mentioned this morning that Advent is a time of active waiting, right? We are in a time of active waiting. And we think about waiting for Jesus's birth, but we also know we're in a time of waiting for Jesus's return. So what are we doing in this time of active waiting? How will we be waiting? We lit the candle of love today. The Ramos family lit that for us this morning. And when we reflect on what love is, it's no surprise that when we turn to Corinthians, which was the passage that the Ramos family read for us this morning, the first word Paul uses to describe love is what? Patience. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Oof, that's hard. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. To live as participants with God in his divine nature means to live out love. It means to develop our practice of patience with others, of a love that does not quit, of indiscriminate mercy. That's what that means. That's what that means, but that can be hard. Now, Okay, I know uh, based on uh, some personal, I I love personality tests, okay? I know that based on my little personality test that I've taken that I'm a rigid thinker, okay? I don't know if that's a confession. I don't know if that's a weakness or a strength, I'm not sure, but I tend to be kind of a black and white person, I know that about myself. I think I'm willing to see gray area sometimes, but other times, uh, man, it's black or white, okay? I'm an Enneagram one for any of you that follow the Enneagram. I'm very, okay, there's right and wrong, all right? And I have been working, I'm gonna be honest with you guys, I have been working on softening that, being willing to see some gray area, okay? I I will self-reflect, I will. However, <laughs> this is black and white. I, I, I will, I, you cannot convince me otherwise. There are two paths and you must choose one. You must choose one. You cannot be on both paths at the same time. You choose the path of the false teachers. The path that allows you to prioritize your safety, your comfort, your wants, your dreams, your desires, you choose that path or you choose the path that is participating in in God's divine nature. You can't be on both. So if you're going to choose the path that participates in God's divine nature, you might have to lay some things down Right? That's when we might have to lay down our own safety, our own comfort, our own wants, our own desires. If they are not in in alignment with God's will. And that's important. And there is no gray area on that. You pick a path. Now the good news is God is patient with us and you you can always hop on over. Never too late, right? He's merciful, and his love doesn't expire. His patience doesn't expire. So anytime we get astray, we do always have the opportunity to get back on the right path, right? The path that indiscriminately shows mercy and love and patience to the people around us. Not just our friends, but our enemies. Not just our political allies, but the ones on the other side. Not just the family members who are nice to us, but the family members who can be challenging, right? Not just the neighbors that behave the way we want them to, indiscriminate, everyone. God's heart is for all of humankind and our hearts need to be for all of humankind. Are You guys with me? So there's black and white Allison, for you on that one, but, but I believe that as much as this passage, when I first read it, I thought this is a tough one and Advent's supposed to be all light and magical, right? and this no fire and brimstone <laughs> right but there's but there is there is there's light here there's light here there's light in seeing god's love for us god's patience with us and knowing that we have been invited to live out that love and patience with all of those around us while we actively wait for his arrival let's pray creator god we are so thankful that you love us so deeply that you are patient with us as we uh, get things wrong, Lord. We are thankful that, um, that your timeline is your timeline and not ours. God, this morning we want to accept your, your invitation to participate in your divine nature. We want to be vessels of your love for all of those around us. We know that we are commanded to love you and to love our neighbors. And that means to issue them a healthy dose of patience, just like we are so hopeful that others will be patient with us as you are patient with us. God, you are love. And as we look forward to your arrival, Lord, we rejoice in knowing that you bring the deepest of loves, the definition of love to our lives. We thank you and we praise you. Amen.